What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. There are very few people in this world I would qualify as a legend. Today's guest, a legend. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, is we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, I am so blessed and beyond excited to get to go into the vault of Lynch with a Leader and pull out one of my favorite episodes. And actually, it's one of our very first episodes. It was episode two, where we sat down with the legendary coach of the University of Georgia, Vince Dooley. Little did I know in 2017 that in the fall of 2022, Coach Dooley would go home to be with the Lord, and these words now are even more iconic than the day that he spoke them. What a legacy he left. Not just wins on the field, and he sure left plenty of those during his time at the University of Georgia. 201 victories, six SEC titles, 1980 national championship. But even more than that, he left a legacy in the lives of the young men that he coached. And I know so many that have crossed paths with Coach Dooley, not only during his coaching years, but his post-coaching years, that just talk about who he was. And I just thought it would be a great time pausing in the middle of of this month to listen back to this living legend at the time we spoke and now looking back since he's gone home to be with the Lord to listen to the importance of the words that he shared with us. You know, we're in episode 154. He was episode two, but his words are still timeless. You may not have even known the podcast existed then. Today is going to be a treat. If you heard it, You're going to love re-listening to it like I did. So I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation from 2017 with the one and the only Coach Vince Dooley. I hope you enjoy, because I know this, I will always treasure this time. Well, Coach Dooley, thank you so much for joining us today on Lunch with the Leader, and it is an honor to get to spend a little bit of time with you. Well, thank you, and I'm uh, honored to be uh, asked to uh, spend some time. Coach, you have had an incredible career. Multi-year winner of the SEC Coach of the Year, uh, national championship, inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. As you look back on your coaching career, what are some of your favorite memories of your time on the sidelines at Georgia? Well, I think that it'll, it'll go all the way back uh, before that uh, because I have been um, extremely blessed in, uh, in being around uh, good people with uh, good influence. I was very fortunate to have good influence, starting with parents, uh, the teachers that I had, 
and uh, the coaches that I had and then the opportunity as a result of that, which uh, got me on the uh, sidelines and uh, the uh, the success we've had as I, I think back on it uh, will always be uh, special in my memory. But uh, what becomes uh, increasingly more important uh, as I go along in life is, uh, is the uh, association uh, with I've had with my coaches and particularly with the players. Uh, they have, uh, th- that's been the real reward. That, that certainly doesn't lessen uh, the uh, good feeling uh, that I've had about the success we've had and, and some of the highlights but again, what is increasingly more important, it's always been important, but it becomes even more important as you go along in life and are able to spend time with players that you had the privilege of coaching that you've gotten to know even in a, a different, closer way and the fact that you've learned so much from each and every one of them. That's really good. Was it difficult, you know, and I know as a, as a head football coach, you are, you're running a business in a lot of ways. How did you, what are some things for maybe some young coaches that are listening in? What are some things you did to coach your coaches? You brought great men around you, but what were the things you did to pour into them while they were alongside you coach? Well, I hope that, uh, that, uh, Uh, Not so much what I've said, but I hope that the uh, good example uh, that I tried to uh, uh, be uh, was uh, the most important influence on them uh, in uh, in their job. Uh, And that uh, starts with integrity. Uh, That is uh, always uh, the uh, number one value that... uh, we tried to emphasize that we had to have a, a, a sound program. Uh, and if you have a sound program, uh, then uh, it is able to survive and uh, flourish uh, with some of the crises that you're bound to go through uh, in uh, this type of work. Uh, and uh, you have crises that either takes place on the field or off the field. There's, because of the high visibility of the sport, there's always something uh, out there that's a challenge, and we have tried to uh, uh, address each of those challenges as opportunities to uh, make the program grow. And if we had a sound base of integrity, uh, that we would be able to survive uh, the tough times and and learn from the tough times to make an even better program. So I tried to uh, instill that as a philosophy uh, as as the head coach and the one primarily responsible for the program. What was the, what was the hardest time you guys walked through? And I'm sure I'm sure there were many during that time. What what were what was the valley that you walked through that you said, man, those things we instilled, and I love that. I love how you said that. Those things that we instilled, that integrity and that philosophy of how we do things. What was one of those times that you walked through, and how did you get through it? Well, we had. Um 
one, of course, we had some on the field uh, where we had to recommit ourselves to make sure that we self-analyze us as we address a situation. And this is in coaching I'm talking about. If we if we came off of a bad season, as we tried to look back on it to uh, to see where we went wrong, uh, to make sure that we started with ourselves, and that starts with me, uh, is to self-evaluate how, how I handle uh, everything, uh, and then the coaches as well. And then after that, we would get to the players. So those are things that are part of of coaching when you lose uh, weekly or if you uh, have a season that you're not very happy with. Uh, But the other is the the off-the-field crises that uh, has been the downfall, I guess, of some programs. Uh, We had uh, something that was known as the uh, Jan Kemp episode, and uh, she was a teacher uh, that actually uh, sued the university. She was uh, a teacher in develop- developmental studies, which was a studies as a remedial program for uh, some of the students, uh, including some athletes um, that needed uh, basic uh, English, basic math. And uh, the uh, teacher uh, felt like that uh, the administration uh, was not uh, uh, doing what she thought was the proper thing. She was in herself a good teacher, and she had some complaints. But uh, unfortunately, because perhaps she was stonewalled, uh, nobody sat down and met with her, though I did. She did uh, write me a long letter, and uh, I visited with her, tried to uh, listen and and address some of her concerns. Uh, most of them, I felt like, were unfounded, but there were some things that needed to be addressed. Uh, but uh, the administration felt like that uh, this would set a bad precedence for uh, other faculty members. So uh, it ended up in a lawsuit, uh, which uh, was uh, won by Jan Kemp. And uh, as a result of it, the president and the uh, uh, vice president for academic affairs and the person in charge of the studies uh, all uh, lost their jobs as a result of it. Uh, But uh, we were then, because of the complaints, we were investigated by the NCAA. We were investigated uh, by a faculty chair, uh, uh, and then we were investigated by the Board of Regents, and we were investigated by the newspaper. So our, our body, in, in essence, was split wide open with a flashlight uh, going all through us. And each day there was some kind of new discovery, so to speak. Uh, and um, so finally we said, look, we can't sit around here every day trying to respond to every kind of uh, thing that is thrown at us. But what we can do is take advantage of this opportunity to make ourselves a better program. And as a result of that, what we ended up doing, we ended up uh, putting in the first mission statement in college athletics. 
we got a uh, public relations firm. Uh, they interviewed some 25 of our most distinguished alumni and uh, people at, uh, in the faculty, as well as uh, members of the athletic board, as, as, long, as well as administrators in the, uh, in the department. And after a year and a half, we came up with this, uh, uh, this mission statement of saying, what are we all about? Why are we here? Uh, what are our values? And uh, that really became the first mission statement in college athletics, and it came out of this crisis that we went through. We said, look, if our program is sound, we will we'll survive this, and we'll be better because of it. And maybe we had a black eye, or maybe we wobbled a little bit, but our, our feet were under the ground, on the ground, and we were solid because I think the program was based on integrity. And if you're able to do that, you're able to survive crisis and grow from it. And I think that's the best example I can give you. Yeah, that's quite an example. And I know that that it's one of those things you're like, I didn't sign up for this when I became the football coach. I didn't know I was getting into all this. Did that rob some of the joy of it for you, coach, during that season? Did that take some of the fun out of what you did for a living? Well, it was challenging. It really was. Uh, and uh, it, uh, however, when it was over and, uh, and we, we had the mission statement, uh, you know, we felt good about the way we addressed, uh, addressed the issue. Uh, and again, uh, the fact that uh, we felt like that, uh, that the program was based on integrity, that our uh, program was solid. Uh, and that we could survive the crises and grow from it and learn from it. And as I pointed out, we ended up with the first mission statement. Since that time, I think every program in the country has adapted uh, some type of mission statement, uh, you know, asking, what are we about? Right. What, why are we here? What is our mission? And what are our values? And at the top of all those values is the value of integrity. That's that's really good, and uh, you know, and I, I know just as a kid who grew up in the state of Georgia, and a lot of kids from my high school went and played there. I knew that was a huge piece of your building block there. When when you guys won the national championship, coach in 1980, did you see that some that there was something special about that team during the year, or was it more of you got into the year it's like, wow, we're we're better than I thought they would be? When did you begin to see that could be a special year for? Well, I really felt like we had a good, solid team coming back, uh, but there was one uh, missing piece of the puzzle, and that was a, a tailback, <laughs> and it just so happened that we signed this missing piece of the puzzle by the name of Herschel Walker, and uh, Herschel uh, was just uh, an amazing individual that, uh, that was able to to come out of the smallest uh, classification in the state and to be able to go into competition right away at the highest level. Uh, and he did that, and he was the missing piece. And, but Herschel will also tell you that he had an incredible supporting cast, and we really did. We had some terrific players around. Uh, as an example, uh, Scott Warner, who was our safety man, who led the nation uh, in punt returns, was just inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. 
Wow. He was the safety man on that national championship team. Uh, he was the Herschel Walker of the defense. And so he was inducted, and so many of them became uh, all-conference players, and uh, many of them went on and uh, played uh, professional football. So as a result of that, we had a solid team. And uh, as the season uh, went on, we were able to, uh, uh, to, to win close football games. Hmm. And I think by doing that, uh, developed uh, a feeling uh, that somehow, some way, we're going to win. Uh, it may be Herschel Walker running for 150 yards, or it may be Scott uh, Warner returning a punt and intercepting a pass, which he did against Clemson. That's There's right. no way we could have beaten Clemson without him. Or it could have been Buck Baluda, Lindsey Scott against Florida. We could not have won that game. So there's a good example of how uh, all at one time or another would rise to the occasion. And while one phase of the game uh, wasn't doing as well, another phase would take up the slack. And I really believe that they gained the confidence that somehow, some way, (laughs) they're going to find a way to win. And it just that was just a pattern throughout the season. And they ended up uh, being the only uh, undefeated, undisputed uh, national champions of that year and of Georgia's history. Yeah, that was uh, when 34 appeared in the backfield, that changed a lot of games. I know. And I, so was that, was that recruiting process? You're trying, you probably walked, you saw, I know, I know his high school coach, coach Phillips quite well. He was my high school principal. Um, and he's told me a lot of stories about Herschel in high school. When you saw him down there at that tiny little school, uh, were you battling a lot of other schools to try to get him? And what did, what was, what was it that sold him to come to Georgia? What connected you guys? Well, there was uh, no question that uh, he was good. <laughs> you know, my, and I knew he was going to be a great player. The, the question I had, it was how soon was he going to mm-hmm. be great because that? of coming out of the lower classification. Uh, he certainly had good coaching uh, there, both uh, in football and in track. Uh, he had some good coaches, uh, and uh, it, it's uh, he ended up being the number one recruit uh, in the country that year. But it's also interesting uh, that at the same time that we signed Herschel as the number one recruit in the country. We also signed a person that may had been the least sought-after player in the country, and I'm talking about Terry Hogue. Uh, Terry Hogue was from Huntsville, Texas, and the only uh, scholarship that he had to a Division One A classification uh, school was Georgia because we took a chance on him. We had two scholarships left. And we wanted to go out and find a, a good student, maybe one that would would hang around a, a good while and maybe help us his junior or senior year. And it turned out that we signed uh, Terry Hogue, who became, like Herschel, a consensus All-American. Herschel was a three-time consensus, and Terry Hogue ended up being 
uh, a two-time consensus and an academic Hall American. Wow! So you've got you've got to have, uh, along with everything, a little bit of good fortune. And we were blessed to not only sign Herschel that year, but to sign Terry Hogue. That 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 uh, that worked out quite well. That worked out quite well. So you're doing this, coach. You're in the middle of building a career. You are, um, you and your wife are cornerstones in Athens, Georgia. How did you keep such a vibrant marriage while you were on such a large public platform? How did you do that? Well, uh, it's maybe I recruited good as well. Well, like a Herschel, <laughs> she might have been the <laughs> she might have been the Herschel woman. I really, uh, I, I've always uh, the faith was important to me growing up as a youngster. Uh, it was important to my mother, as an example. But neither one of my parents finished grammar school. But I remember when the recruiter would come, the recruiters would come in and talk to them about a scholarship. The only thing that my mother was interested in was if they had a church there. Uh, we, we were Catholic. I was raised Catholic. And uh, she wanted to be sure that nothing else mattered, just to make sure that there was a church, a Catholic church there that I could go to. That's the only thing she was wow. concerned about. So it so it shows the priority of it. Nothing else was important. And then I had good training uh, uh, with the nuns uh, and also with the brothers in high school. So I had a pretty good idea that I wanted somebody that, that shared a, a, a faith uh, as I did. And uh, so I found that in, uh, in Barbara. I didn't find it until after I had finished college and went off in the Marine Corps. Then I came back uh, and started coaching, and I became the faculty chair of the uh, Newman Club, which was the student center. And I looked out among all of those uh, co-eds, and I felt like that uh, uh, this young lady, freshman that I saw, needed more counseling and advising <laughs> of, of any of the others. <laughs> she didn't, she hadn't listened to me very well, but anyway, it was, uh, and she is, uh, and has been the, the woman that I thought uh, she would have been. And that is one that uh, shared uh, uh, faith. It's, uh, it's even, uh, it's even more important to her uh, than it is to me. So I wanted somebody that, uh, that I could rise to her occasion. And uh, we believe, as an example, both believe in prayer, but uh, but in a different way. As an example, uh, when we prayed as a team, we asked God to uh, help us to do the best we could do. And I thought the rest would take care of itself. And Barbara never believed in that. She believed in praying to win. So there was a difference in in the way we approach uh, approached our prayer and our faith how many years have y'all been married coach it will be 58 uh wow. in march that's yeah. fantastic mm-hmm. and y'all have got four yeah, children it, I mean, yeah yeah four, we got four, four children, children who've all grown up to be successful any advice to parents nowadays as you look back on this generation of parents and and you look back on raising your kids any advice to parents that are in the middle of of growing theirs up that you could pass on 
Well, I think we have a, a good balance with uh, Barbara. She's more apt to uh, uh, to give them things and to and to fight for them. She'll uh, she, she'll give them the hell uh, when she needs to, but boy, nobody else better give them hell <laughs> because uh, it's the same way with me. Uh, so, uh, but I felt like that they, um, you know, they need to uh, say, to work. They need to earn what they get. And, um, and all of them work some and, uh, uh, after school and, uh, and, uh, so they earn their own little spending money. Uh, we certainly provided for them the basics, but, uh, I felt like that they certainly needed, uh, uh, to learn about, uh, the importance of, uh, of good hard work and, uh, and not just have things constantly given to them. And we probably strike a good balance in there. Barbara likes to give them everything, but I like them to work for it. So we end up with a good balance between the two. You meet, you meet in the middle. That works out. Yeah, you you yeah. have made it fifty eight years. You hadn't figured out how to meet in the middle. So that that worked That's out right. well. That worked. Did you ever think? I know you did the athletic director work at at Georgia for many years. Um, did you ever think about getting back into coaching? Did that ever tempt you at any point? You know, once I um, I was very very fortunate um, to have done everything that I wanted to do. Uh, I was the head coach for 25 years, and uh, and I left when I wanted to leave under the conditions that I wanted to leave. And I was fortunate to uh, still be uh, associated with athletics uh, in in administration. And that I had a pretty broad perspective of the importance of a total sports program and uh, was anxious to uh, meet the challenge of what was going on at the time, which was Title IX and women's sports. And, uh, and uh, so uh, I uh, was excited about being the athletic director. And I think that we got uh, off to a great start in our women's sports, which still carries on uh, today. Uh, so I, uh, again, was still around uh, athletics and uh, have uh, kind of enjoyed the success of some of those athletes. Uh, in fact, I just uh, uh, returned, uh, Barbara and I did this past weekend from Canton, Ohio, uh, where Terrell Davis, I didn't coach Terrell, but I was the athletic director there. And uh, Terrell was inducted into the Professional uh, Pro Hall of Fame in Canton uh, this past weekend. And to uh, and he invited us along with uh, Coach Goff and uh, some others that uh, helped to recruit him come to Georgia Uh uh, to uh, come and uh, and enjoy the uh, uh, the celebration of the induction, so we were part of that. So I have uh, enjoyed still being around athletics and all of it uh, right here at the University of Georgia. That's a, that really is an amazing. It's an amazing thing that you've invested so much of your life in that one area. It, it, as you look back, Coach, and and you're in that season of life, and looking back in the rearview mirror, and and looking back on your journey, 
what do you want? What do you want your former players and the coaches that coached with you, your kids? What do you want them to remember most about you? What What do you hope that you you did most in their lives? Well, I, again, I, you start with running a program in the right way uh, and uh, being an example, a good example of of how to do things and the fact that integrity is so important it's if you don't have that as a base you, know, you don't have a worthwhile program at all and uh and i hope that some of the way that i handle things uh, would be uh good examples uh, to them uh and also uh to um to enjoy life and uh to live as as long as you're alive. I heard somebody use that phrase, and uh, I have done that. Even in retirement, uh, I've done things that I feel good about. I was uh, asked to be a consultant at Kennesaw State mm-hmm. when they started a program, a football program from scratch, uh, and I was uh, there two, three years before that in preparation for that, and in, in being chair of the study committee and uh, in helping that to get started and seeing the hiring of the athletic director and the football coach, and they're off and running, and I felt good about that. Uh, I've also been one that's uh, uh, enjoyed learning. I, I really uh, have, have audited a lot of courses. One of the great things about living around a university is if you got a curiosity about anything, you can satisfy it as an expert on everything. So I've always enjoyed history. I enjoyed Civil War history. Uh, and uh, I've audited a lot of courses. And as a result of that, I've written uh, some books, uh, I've written books not only on football, but on the history. I just finished a book uh, with a gentleman on the uh, Civil War about a local hero who went to the University of Georgia and became a colonel uh, in Cobb's Legion. And there were these letters between he and his his wife uh, at the Harvard Library here at the university. And I've uh, even, uh, I never have been any good at golf, but uh, what I have learned about studying courses is that I've had a great interest in gardening. So I've uh, been an inspiration for anybody that wants to be a gardener late in life. Uh, and particularly one that's written a book about something maybe they don't know anything about. So I've written a book about gardening. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of things to learn out there, and and uh, the gardening has become my golf. So I've uh, still try to lead a full life and feel like that you're making a contribution and that you are enjoying life uh, and helping and. I've been going down to Honduras for the last five years uh, with a group out of Atlanta uh, that uh, does tr- tremendous uh, mission work down there. So that's uh, also a part of, of mine. And we've gone over to Lewis, France uh, on the three, four different occasions uh, to help with the Order of Malta. So I've tried to... Uh, live as as long as I'm alive, a good active life, and hopefully making a contribution along the way. 
Absolutely. And I, I think I speak for a lot of people, coach, you've made more than a contribution. And I know just here locally through Kennesaw state, the difference you made in Vaughn's life and just giving him that, that ear to, to, to bend and to talk to and to pour into, and man, you, you, you are a great friend to him. If you were to be talking to a young high school coach, who's molding young athletes, um, any words of wisdom for young high school coaches that you'd like to pass on to them? Well, they certainly need to want to be committed to the profession because it certainly can be, can be challenging. Uh, and uh, you've got to really enjoy it. I never was sure that that's what I wanted to do. In fact, I tried to take, uh, I took business as an example because uh, at the time, they didn't pay coaches very well. That thing has changed since that time, I might add. But nevertheless, uh, I uh, was committed to go into the military, which was a good training for me. I was uh, went into as a, in the Marine Corps. I took an ROTC program, and then after that, I had to make a decision and. Uh, I had an offer to stay in the Marine Corps, which I enjoyed. I had an offer to go to in the banking business. Uh, I took uh, uh, economics, and then um, I uh, had an offer to to uh, coach in my high school, and then I had an offer to coach in where I had played, and, um, and all of them were good offers. And I was fortunate, and I thought, well, I think I'll try and uh, go back to uh, my alma mater and and coach and see what happens after that. Well, of course, there was, there was no question that uh, I was at home coaching. I really loved it, uh, loved the challenge of coaching. I loved the, the competition. I loved working with players. Uh, and, uh, and then hopefully continue to grow uh, as an individual. Uh, and that has been uh, one of the one of the satisfying parts of my life is that uh, I'll be 85 in March and I feel like by uh, being blessed with a, a good long life that I have worked to better myself as a person. Uh, sometimes if your life is cut short, you don't get a chance to improve as I have done that in my life uh, by staying as active as I can. So there's a great, uh, there's a lot of, wonderful things out there and the coaching profession can have a tremendous amount of influence on young people. And, uh, in, in, we certainly can have it in college, but I think that high school coaches have the greatest opportunity to influence people in a positive way. Uh, and as I look back on my life, there's nobody outside of my parents that was more important to me in my early days than my high school coach. Uh, there were some things I was confused about. I wasn't sure uh, about some things. I was questioning other things. Maybe I was just being a teenager. I don't know. But what did make sense was sports and the way he handled me and the way and his example uh, was a tremendous help to me. And so every opportunity that I ever had to speak to high school coaches, I try to point out to them how important their job is because they really are in a position to influence uh, 
influence young men at a critical time in their lives. Well, that's so good. That is so good. And, you know, we, we talk a lot with high school coaches around our area. You know, they don't they don't burn out because of what they do. They burn out because they forget why they do what they do. And I, remembering that why and that difference is such such a big deal. But last question for you today, Coach, is this. If somebody were to ask you, Coach Dooley, what, what's the biggest difference your faith in Christ and your, your faith in the Lord has made in your life? What would you What would you tell them? Well, I, I tell them that uh, that it's that's got to be sort of the foundation uh, of, of of everything uh, is to have that faith, and then to be able to um, uh, have someone that shares the same faith as I've just pointed out, mm-hmm. uh, and with my wife, uh, I've been very fortunate in that. Uh, and it's, it is really important to her. It's, it's important to me, but it's even more important to her. Uh, and uh, because of that, uh, uh, we have addressed uh, what is uh, a very basic value in what I think is a su- successful marriage, and um, that we both share that, that base uh, of faith uh, to begin with. And all the other uh, issues that you... Uh, that, that you meet as you go along and as you grow and as you struggle and uh, and you go through some times that are a, a little tough, that you can survive all those because you share a basic faith. Uh, and that's what we do. And we've been able to, uh, um, to, to have a, a, a very successful marriage because of it. Coach Dooley. Thank you so much for for not only taking the time to visit with me today, but also for all that you've done to make a difference in so many former players' lives, but but kids in your programs there at Georgia, but also in your own family. So, Coach, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, it has sure meant the world to us. Thank you so much. Uh, well, thank you, and thank you for what you do. Uh, it's, uh, you've got a lot to be proud of, and um proud to have the opportunity to visit with you. God bless. Wasn't that fresh? You know, I I went back and listened to that episode and it was like I recorded it yesterday as I listened to Coach Dooley share back in 2017 lessons and stories and man, it's just so good. And man, I am so thankful that our world was blessed with Coach Vince Dooley. He sure made it a better place. Well, our next episode, we get to sit down with the one and only Pat Lencioni. He has written The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Motive, The Advantage, Ideal Team Player, and his newest book on the working genius that is so good. And this episode will be out next Monday. So tell your friends, invite people to join you. We would love for this one to be one of our best yet. As we sit down with a guest I have wanted to have since this podcast began back in the fall of 2017. Thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoy Lunch with a Leader, please help us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, share the podcast, make sure you subscribe and just know this. I'm thankful to be on this journey with you. So go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and place God has got you and let's go make a difference for him. 
Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 